All right, good morning. morning. Got some Mission Impossible playing there, right? Because this morning we're going to talk about the mission of Christ's church. And how we view God's church is huge. Um, you know, our, our perception is it a place where we just come and hang out and get sheltered from the world and, and just hang on one more week and so someday we get to go to heaven? Is it a place where we just, we get our kids involved so they have a sheltered environment and they, they hear the things of God so they can just sort of make it to heaven? Or is it a place where God's mission for the world gets fulfilled? I believe it's the last. And I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty excited about this morning. I'm, I'm pretty jacked up about sharing this message with you. Um, I'm also a little bit nervous, and my prayer has been this. My prayer is that we're ready to hear this. My prayer is that we're ready to hear this. Because this is big stuff. This is, this is important stuff. Lives, eternities, families. Our whole community, communities are at stake. Whether you and I receive what God has to say to us this morning, it's big stuff. And what we're going to talk about is God's mission for the church. And not only for the church, but for each one of us, since we are the church, that God has a mission for your life and for my life. And here's the deal. I believe for too long we've set the bar way too low for what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I think for way too long we've set the bar really low to say, if you just pray this prayer, if you just pop into church when it's convenient, if you just tip God a little bit here, if you serve Him once in a blue moon, then that's that's what we expect of you. I don't think that's true at all. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is so much more than that. We've set the bar really low as churches. We've said if the church can... Um, have a nice facility and have enough programming for my kids, then that's a good church. And I believe God's picture, God's plan, God's purpose for the church is so much bigger than that. In fact, here's what I want to say. God has a plan for your life and for my life. God has a plan for His church. And when you hear God has a plan for your life, you may react negatively, and I understand why. Because you get married and suddenly your spouse has a plan for your life. They have a certain way you, they want your hair cut. Looking at my bride. Uh, they have a certain way they want to spend your time and your money, right? Alright. Um, you take a job and suddenly your boss has a plan for your life. It might include weekends and holidays and that doesn't sound good. Um, you call and get your kids signed up for a rec basketball team and they call you back and they suddenly have a plan for your life that involves coaching a rec basketball team. See, when you hear someone has a plan for your life, I understand why you might need your reaction and say, I'm not so sure about this. But can I tell you, when God has a plan for your life and for my life, it's vastly different than those other people's plans. Those can be self-serving Agendas. Can I tell you that God's agenda for your life and for my life and for the church is not self-serving for Him. In fact, it brings us what we're all looking for, the fulfillment and purpose in our lives that He created us to have. And so this morning, we're going to look at God's plan for your life and for my life. It doesn't matter what your background has been or my background has been. It doesn't matter what you do is for a living or I do for a living. It doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been a Christian. I can promise you this is God's plan for your life. You ready? Somebody's excited. Let's do it. 
In fact, before we jump into the passage, I just want you to know, God has an envelope. It's your mission if you choose to accept it. And if you accept His plan for your life today, His plan is simply this. He wants you to multiply. He wants you to multiply. We're going to figure out what that means here in the next few minutes. So turn in your Bibles if you have them or we have the scriptures on the screens here. And we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Jesus is, has come to the earth. He has, has lived a sinless life. He has died on the cross. He's rose from the dead, purchasing salvation for all who believe. And now he is the resurrected Christ. He's about to ascend back up to heaven where he reigns and rules from today. He will one day come back. But right before he ascends, he has some final instructions to his disciples. And he's going to share them with them now. And we're, most people, you might know this passage, and often pastors start in verse 19. I want to get a running start at this and start in verse 16. So uh, Matthew 28, 16, it says this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them. Let me stop right there. There's only eleven of them because Judas had betrayed and hung himself. The other eleven disciples, they were in Jerusalem, had, had been there when Jesus was crucified. And now Jesus had told them, hey, I want to meet you in Galilee. I want you to take a several day journey back to Galilee. Now he could have told him what he was about to tell them in Jerusalem, but he didn't. And said, so why didn't he do that? Why didn't he just tell them there? He made them travel back to Galilee. And we're going to get to another reason in a second. But here's what I think. A little, a little principle for you. I think he was testing them to see if they would be obedient to him in the little things. Because you and I will never be obedient to God in the big things in life. In the big plan for his life. If we're not obedient to him in the little things. The, the in seemingly insignificant decisions we make day in and day out to trust God and obey God and say, yes, God, it's your way and not my way. So he asked them to go to Galilee and they say yes. And so they go and they follow and they trust him. And that God's plan is revealed to them and to us as they obey and as we obey. So they meet him, meet him in Galilee on this mountain. It says this, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now let me stop right there. They saw him and they worshipped him. They seeing the resurrected Christ who just a few weeks earlier they had seen him tortured and beaten. They had seen Jesus at a place where he was so disfigured from the torment it was hard to recognize him. And, and barely hang on. They watched him die. They knew he was buried. And now a few weeks later they see him full of life, fully healed, fully recovered, fully resurrected, knowing that Jesus didn't just have a great healing. Jesus had died and rose back to life, conquering death, conquering sin, and conquering hell. And they worshipped Him as they should. This guy came back from the dead. He said he was going to do it. He said three days later you can destroy this temple and I will raise it back to life. He had told him he was going to do it and he did it. And so they worshipped him as God in the flesh. As we should too. But I love this. It says, but some doubted. Can you imagine seeing what they saw? The beatings, the torture, the death, the, the, the burial, and now seeing him alive right in front of your eyes. And yet some of them doubted. You know what? That gives me a lot of hope. 
Because Jesus is about to give the most important instructions he ever gave to 11 people. And he allowed doubting people to receive this message. He allowed doubting people to take his plan. He said, even though you have doubts and have flaws and have weaknesses, I still want you to execute my plan. That tells me that every single one of us, you and I, though we are weak and we doubt and our faith is fails, that God's plan is for them and this God's plan is for us. Every single one of us in this room, what Jesus is about to unveil, even though we doubt, here's your plan. Here's his plan for you. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, here's the instructions. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So God's plan, let's be very clear, Jesus' plan for your life and for my life and for His church is to make disciples. Did you see that? He says, go and make disciples disciples. In fact, he's going to explain, we're going to explain later in the series, we want you to go make disciples who go make other disciples. That's God's plan for the church and that's God's plan for your life. Now, the problem is this. If you've been in church very long, you've heard this this instructions before. And we're a very people that are very familiar with the instructions and hearing it, but we're not so familiar in doing it. In fact, if I took a poll, straw poll, I would say a good percentage of you could quote this verse, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And we can quote it, but there's far fewer that are actually doing it. See, Jesus started with 11 people. And he told them, I want you to go change the world. And your strategy is not going to be to infiltrate politics. Your strategy is not going to be a social agenda. Your strategy is going to be changing up one person's life at a time until the whole world is reached. That's what I want you to do. That's the purpose of your life. That's why I've put you on this earth. That's why I've invested three years of my life in you. That you would take what you've learned and you would pass it on to others and they would pass it on to others until all nations know that I resurrected from the dead. Till all nations know that I'm alive. Till all nations know that they can have life in me. Till every person on this planet has heard the good news that their sins don't hold them down anymore. That they can be forgiven and restored and liberated by my life yeah give god praise for that and he says since you know all that go don't keep it to yourself don't hide it go and tell them and make disciples you know what's so cool about this here's the reason why i think he asked them to go to galilee they didn't know this but he took them up on a mountain it said right and this mountain range in galilee if they would have been looking east they could have seen Samaria, Samaria to their right. And further down to the south, they could see Jerusalem and Judea. And, and straight ahead of them, Caesarea Philippi, and to the city, to the north, the city Damascus. Basically, he took them on the mountaintop, and he said, you're going to make disciples of all nations, that nation, and that nation, and that nation, and that nation, and all nations. And they could see with their own eyes the vision that Jesus had, that this isn't just a Jewish thing, this isn't just a Jesus, uh, a Christian thing, this is an everybody thing. All nations. Guys, do you get it? All these nations you see, that's who I want to know about, know me. Now, all people of all nations, through all generations, 
That's a big mission, isn't it? That sounds, if we're going to be honest, that sounds pretty impossible, doesn't it? Mission impossible. It sounds impossible. It would be impossible if we did not have the power and the plan of Jesus Christ on our side. And so in this passage here, I want you to see the power that Jesus affords us and the plan that Jesus gives us. First of all, his power. He said, all authority. Did you catch that? He says, before he gives them the command to go, he says, remember, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I've got all power in heaven, all power on earth. There isn't a person, there isn't an organization, there isn't a structure, there isn't a spiritual force anywhere that can stand against you. I have all power. Now, that sounds great. We know Jesus has all power. But then he says, and I will be with you always. What he's saying is the power I have will be with you. When you go make disciples, my power goes with you. And no one will be able to stand against you because my power and my authority goes with you. Romans 8.31 says this, If God is for us, who can be against us? See, God's plan can't fail because it's God's power that powers the plan. And it's in us. That power lives in you, and that power lives in me if Jesus Christ lives in you. We have all the power we need to accomplish His plan. I can tell you, I've witnessed people that I thought would never say yes to Jesus Christ fall on their face before Him. That's the power of God. I've seen people grow in a process. They didn't lead their families. They weren't good to their families. Now they're discipling their families and loving their families like Christ loved them. All the power we need is available to become disciples and make disciples. Jesus said, I'm with you. But I also want you to notice his plan. He says, go make disciples. And he didn't just leave it at that. That's the big picture. He says, make disciples. But here's how you do it. You go and you baptize and you teach. You go, you baptize And you teach. That's how you make a disciple. You go and tell them the good news. And then you get them connected to the local church. And then you teach them how to live like Jesus lived. And when you're done teaching them how to live like Jesus lived, they'll turn around and they will, guess what? Go and baptize and teach. And that's how disciples make disciples make disciples. That's Jesus' plan. Until everybody is reached. Can I tell you something? That is an incredible plan. Do you see the beauty of that plan? You don't need the internet. You don't need a building. You don't even need a preacher. What you need is people committed to following the instruction of Jesus Christ. And living out day by day until every single person. The people you know that I don't know can be reached because you know Christ. And you can point them to Christ. And so this whole world can be reached literally in a generation. If God's church takes it seriously. Now, great plan. But if we're going to be honest, it starts slow. The plan starts slow. Jesus spent three plus years on the planet. And at the end of his ministry, he had 11 leaders and he had 120 people following him. Okay, we know that to be true. But it starts slow, but it's built momentum, hasn't it? Over the past 2,000 years now, a billion, maybe two billion people claim the name of Jesus Christ. And it's gone from a little group of people. And in 2,000 years, it has become billions of people. Uh, a lot of great things start slow. Any uh, Anybody into auto racing? Car races? NASCAR? Okay. 
Did you know in 1985, they had the very first car race. And the guy won the race with a, with a top speed of eight miles an hour. That's true. Now the land speed record is 763 miles an hour. It started slow, but now it's a hundred times faster than it was. It's multiplied. Man, there's been a lot of energy put into that. See, Jesus' plan was the start of movement, of multiplication, and that movement is called the church. You're already a part of it. You're a part of this plan of multiplication. Let me just break it to you this way. God's plan for your life and His plan for His church is to multiply. He's got one purpose for it, and it's to multiply. We get that with money. Anybody saving for retirement? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? So if you save some money for retirement and you, if you invest in it just kind of so-so, it basically should double every 10 years. Every decade your money should double. And if you do that long enough, then you will end up with tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to retire on, right? That's the power of multiplication. That money doubles every 10 years and it accrues and it gets bigger and suddenly you're multiplying bigger numbers and bigger numbers and bigger. And we go, yeah, I get it when it comes to money. My money can work for me. Multiplication can work for me. It works in our families. Don and Ruth Zwemke, two people, they had seven kids. One of them was Ray. That's my dad. Seven kids. That's a big family. Pretty normal back then. All those seven had plenty of kids. Now, when there's a Zwemke reunion, there's 102 of us that show up. You say, man, that's some fertile people. <laughs> I agree. But it's the power of multiplication. In just two generations, they went from two to 102. That's the power of multiplication. That's what happens when we, we, we take it seriously when it comes to our money. But why can't we think of ministry in the same same way. Why can't we think of the church in the same way? Did you know that 4.2 people are born every second on this planet? Man, that's a lot of diapers. And two people die every second. That's a net gain of 2.2 people a second. The, the population is exploding. And here's the deal. The reason God's plan for the church in your life is multiplication is there's no other way we're going to reach all nations and all people and all nations through all generations unless we multiply the gospel. Unless we tell people who tell people who tell people. That's the only way we're going to reach everybody. And what is on the heart of God, the reason He gave these instructions... He says, I want every person I created with me in heaven someday. I want everybody I made to know me and enjoy and experience me forever with me. Let me ask you something. Do you think Jesus would give us a plan that was doomed to fail? I don't. I don't think he gave the disciples the instruction and said... No way they're going to happen. Not going to happen. No way they're going to pull that off. Good luck, fellas. I mean, I'm telling you to do it, but no way. Absolutely not. When he gave these instructions, he had every intention for his church to fulfill the mission that he gave him. Listen loud and clear. This is convicting. 
The only thing that keeps God's plan from working is a disobedient church. That's the only thing that stops it. It's His power. It's His plan. His plan will work if we work His plan. The only thing I want us to leave with today is that we've decided that His plan is going to be our plan. That when we've decided today, whether we're going to start tomorrow or it's going to take us a year to get ready to do this, that we're going to be people that make disciples that make disciples because we've decided God's plan for multiplication is His plan for my life. Uh, I was thinking back on the history of Crossroads. We're nine years old as a church. In the first couple of years, you know what the question was around here? It was a different venue, but where we met was kind of like, are we going to make it? <laughs> is this going to really happen? I mean, the light's going to come on next week and people show up. Is it, you know, for a couple of years, it was just kind of like, are we going to survive? And then we got a little bigger, we got a little more stable. And then the question became, how are we going to grow? How are we going to reach more people? And that's a good question, right? For, I'd say a good four or five years, the question, how do we get better at reaching people and growing? But can I tell you that the question that is, uh, the question that has to be asked and must be asked and is going to be asked is not, how do we just grow and add people to our fellowship? The question that we're after, the, the, the results that God is after, the bottom line that we believe God has called us to be here for is how do we multiply a movement of disciples that is so radical and so uh, contagious that it can't be contained in the four walls of any building, but it explodes all over our community. It leaks out into other communities. We send people into other continents to be missionaries. We send out church planters all over the place because God's movement is a movement that can't be stopped or contained. All right. I'm going to do a little illustration with you guys. I got out my scissors last night. Let's see if you like my, my handiwork here. I want to illustrate for you what it means to be a, a church that multiplies disciples, okay? And so each section gets a symbol. And I was listening to YMCA. Remember that? YMCA. Come on, y'all. Do it with me. Ready? YMCA. That's right. And I was in the car going, we got to do this tomorrow. So this is the zero section. Everybody say, oh, bless their sweetheart. Oh, y'all give me a big O. Oh, I love it. Gabriel said H-I-O and I said, heck no. So Brian, you're our O, buddy. I'm sorry, man. Hold that up. Let everybody see. This is the church of the zeros. This is the church of the zeros. They're not bad people. They love Jesus, but they are distracted from the mission. They're distracted from the mission. Come back to y'all just a second. You gotta hang tight right there. Distract. Not the good people, but they're not, the mission isn't forefront on their minds. And then we've got this church. This church is about the mission. They're good people and they're trying at it. They're praying for people. They're serving people. Uh, they're, they're doing ministry stuff. Who wants to be the, Come on, Eddie. Don't turn it. I got mad at somebody earlier. This isn't a multiply. This is a plus. This is a plus. You guys give me a big plus sign. Yeah, YMCA plus. This is a good church. They're adding people to their fellowship, but they're not multiplying. Now, Todd or Erica. Okay. What does that look like? 
X. Give me an X, man. Give me an X. This is a multiplying church. This church has got it going on. Their mission is Christ's mission, right? All right. Todd's fired up about it. So let's illustrate. A year goes by at Church Zero. And Church Zero, they're really concerned about potlucks this year. They want to make sure they have lots of great potlucks, right? You down with that? Lots of churches are into potlucks, yo. And so they're so concerned with potlucks, you don't reach anybody this year. Sorry for you. That's bad for you. This church had a, one or two potlucks, but they did some ministry and they did, let's say they did an egg drop, which is an awesome event that we do, and they reached somebody. So you go reach one person this year. Go pick someone out of the audience and make them stand with you. This church has potlucks. This church might have an egg drop event, but they're also committed to multiplying. And so Todd, you reach one person this year. This church reaches one person. Alright? Alright, you go get him. Church Zero, they get into an argument about the, the color of the carpet that they're going to have this year. They knew they need new carpet, but they can't decide. They can't decide what color. And so they're so distracted, they don't reach anybody this year. Dang. This church, man, they're, they're praying for lost people by name. And so somebody gets saved, and so they reach one more person. Go get somebody. This church, you spend, get this, this is the difference. Todd reaches somebody. This guy gets saved and comes to know Jesus Christ. And then Todd spends a year teaching him how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Teaches him how to reach other people for Christ. And so at the end of the year, both of them are multipliers and they both go make a disciple. Both of you go go get somebody. Church zero. It was a bad year. There was a church split. Church split, man. They got that. They couldn't get the carpet resolved. There is the church of the blue carpet and the church of the green carpet, alright? And they didn't reach anybody this year. That's terrible, isn't it? This church is staying, working hard at it. They got in a new person. It's awesome. And they keep doing what they're doing. They reach one more person. Go get somebody. One person. Oh man, how many we got over here now? We got four. So, Harold and Todd both spent time with the disciples that have led to Christ and they teach them how to walk with Jesus. They teach them what it means to be a follower of His and they get excited about living a life as a disciple of Christ and they want to make more disciples. So at the end of this year, all four of them go reach somebody for Christ. Y'all go and everybody go get one. One more time, okay? We'll do it one more time. Church Zero had a lot of funerals this year. Uh... I'll teach you to sit on the left side, right? It was just, it wasn't a banner year. A lot of funerals. Didn't reach anybody. Okay. They're a couple, they're a couple years away from closing the doors. This church is faithful, man. They love Jesus. They're working hard at it. And they, they share the gospel and they reach one more person this year. Somebody go get one more person. All right. Make my son stand up. That's good. Wait a minute. How many we got here? Six. Eight. Same thing. They all spend time developing these people as disciples and they all go reach one more. Ever go get one more. Go get one more. <laughs> what? No, no. No. She's a zero. <laughs> oh, bless her heart. She wasn't saved. She didn't come over. Bless her sweetheart. 
can I be real honest with you? I've been in this church and I don't want to ever be in that church again. Sorry, Ryan. They don't either. <laughs> they don't either. Guys, I've been in this church and Crossroads has been this church. And it's not a bad church. In fact, Christ loves all three of these churches. And it's good, but it's not the best. God wants the best for us. I don't want Crossroads to be this church anymore. We want to be this church. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. Man, that's the church he wants. Thank you, brother. I want this X back. This is the church Christ designed it to be when he said 2,000 years ago, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'll be with you always to the end. This is the church he had in mind when he said, let's start the church because he wants to reach all nations for him. At our church, and we make it pretty simple, guys. We want people to connect with Christ and connect with His church. Remember, we talk about connect and we talk about grow and we talk about share. There's a fourth one we don't talk about enough and it's multiply. So here's what it looks like at our church. We want people to connect with Christ and start a relationship with Him and get connected to His church. That's what, when we say connect, that's what we want to see happen. People that don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. And people that don't go to church start coming to church. That's what we mean by connect. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Man, I love watching when God connects people. I love it. And then we talk about, girl, once you start coming, this isn't the end game. You start showing up for church. That's great. That's a huge step. But we want to see people grow and fall in love with Jesus and give more of their heart to Jesus and give more of their lives to Jesus and make their holiness look more like Jesus. That's what we want. And so we invite people. We encourage people. We harass people about getting in a small group because that's where your life is going to most change for Christ. And so we want them to grow in community with other people. That's why we're not going to shut up about small groups. Is because we want you to grow. Isn't it beautiful when you watch people grow? Let's clap for that too. Uh, the Apostle John wrote, I have no greater joy to know that my children are walking in the truth. He wasn't talking about his physical kids. He was talking about his the believers he had led to Christ. And he said, I love to hear you're thriving. I love to hear that you're growing. I love to hear that you're doing so well. Man, it's such great joy. Can I... Man, when, when we baptize somebody and I get to watch them grow and they're my small group, it fires me up every time they walk in. It just gets me fired up. I love growing with them. Um... And then we say you need to share. This was a kindergarten lesson some of us didn't learn too good. Connect, grow, share. God says, I've given you things. I've given you talents. You need to share those with the body. You need to share the gospel, the good news. I've given you the good news. Share that with other people. I've given you financial resources. You need to share that with the church. And so we talk about sharing. We don't want to just connect. We don't want you to just grow. We want you to learn how to give your life away. Jesus said, you find your life when you lose it. So start losing it for me. And so we're asking you guys to lose your life for Jesus Christ by sharing what he's given. And it's fun to watch that happen. You guys like watching that happen too? I love watching people share. 
It's a thrill to watch people step into ministry where they weren't doing any ministry. And they go, man, this is fun. It's fun watching people be extravagant givers. It's fun watching people share their faith. We just did a session of the gospel training and somebody that had never shared their faith shared their faith and we went, yes! They shared. That's good stuff. That fires me up. I don't know about y'all. And I know... Here's the thing. The last piece is multiply. If you're connected and you're growing and you're sharing, the only other step is you bring somebody or someones along with you and you show them to do what you're doing. That's what it means to multiply. If you're already connected and you're already in a small group and you're already serving, you're already doing all these things, then what you need to do to multiply is bring someone along with you and show them to do what you're doing. Most of you are doing three out of the four. But multiplication is being intentional about finding someone else that isn't and bringing them along with you. Well, you say, well, I I haven't been a Christian that long and I don't know the Bible real well and I don't know how to make disciples. If you're following Jesus Christ, you know how. But our responsibility as a church is to make sure you feel empowered to know how. In fact, my New Year's resolution, Jeff, is to be serious about making disciples that make disciples. And if you're sitting in the crowd and saying, okay, God, I hear you. Your plan's going to be my plan. And I want to make disciples for you. I can tell you something. I'm going to spend a Sunday night every month with you, encouraging, training you, equipping you, praying with you, cheering you, and that you will make disciples. I can't wait to see you there. Can I tell you also that God, Jesus gave you permission and he gave you a mission to make disciples. The one that really gets me though is I'm too busy. Can we just be honest a second? We're all busy. We're all busy. When when you're a seasoned believer and you say, man, I hear you talk about making disciples, but I'm too busy. Let's just call that what it really is. You're not too busy. It's not a busyness issue. It's a priorities issue. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And here's what I got to tell you guys. If you're too busy to make disciples and fulfill the plan that Jesus, your creator, told you to fulfill, then you're just too busy. And something else needs to go. So here's the question that each one of us need to answer for ourselves. Between you and God, whose plan are you living for? Is it your plan? Is it this retirement? Is it this job? Is it this house? Is it it your plan or is it going to be my plan? Because you don't have to change your vocation or location in order to do God's plan of making disciples. You stay right where you are and you make disciples. You don't, you just need to change your intention. God wants to use you right where you are in your home and in your workplace and in your school and in your church to make disciples that make more disciples. So the only question this morning is, whose plan are you going to live by? His or yours? And guys, can I tell you as a church, my eyes have laser locked on this idea as a church 
So you get to make disciples and 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 I get to make disciples individually. But as a body, as a corporate entity, together we get to make disciples. And so what I'm locked on laser focused this year and all the coming years until I get to be your pastor is that we will make disciples through multiplication. In fact, I told you the second Sunday of every month it's the only Sunday night I don't have something going on. I've said, Lord, that's the time I have to give to make sure people are making disciples that make disciples. And I'm going to invite you. If, God, if this is burning in your chest like it burns in mine, then I'm going to meet you with you every month and equip you to make disciples. You may not even know how, but if you have the desire, I want to work with you. And I want to show you what it means to make disciples. Let's ask God for that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of your plan. God, I'm in awe of your power. God, I'm in awe of your great love that says, I don't want anyone to perish, but I want all peoples in all nations throughout all generations to know me. And so you gave us this mission to multiply. God, all around the room, God, can we just do a heart check with you this morning? And be honest with you. God, am I living for my plan? Or am I living for your plan? And if you want to respond as God's speaking to you this morning and say, God, right now I want to tell you, I've decided I live for your plan now. My plan doesn't compare to your plan. My purpose doesn't compare to your purpose. I'm choosing your plan. I want to make disciples for you to bring you much glory, God. And God, as a church, we're just going to ask that you would multiply us. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about multiplying individually and as small groups and as a church. God, you've got so much to teach us these next three weeks. God, may we be ready. May we be willing. May we be passionate about making disciples for you because you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before the band plays, I didn't tell them I was going to do this, but I have nine more packets with an X, with a mission If you know God's called you to make disciples and you're saying, God, I want to multiply and I know it today. I've got nine more. I want to know who's going to be a multiplier. Come see me.